Hello and welcome back to Country Roads Confidential here at earsports.com, part of the 247sports.com network. My name is Mike Casaza. I am perched high atop Mountain Green Field here on Saturday night, October 5th. We will always remember as Austin Kendall's best game. Here to discuss that and many other things from the loss to number 11 Texas is Chris Anderson. Chris, how did you enjoy the day? I'd like to correct you on something real quick, hmm. Michael. Uh, so far, best game so far for Austin Kendall. Um, it was it was an interesting game. I, I think uh, it went it, for those who listen to this podcast or heard me over on our Texas sites uh, podcast or radio shows. It went almost exactly as I said before the game, uh, at least as far as like the general, the overall kind of theme. West Virginia kept it close early. There's a lot of energy in the stadium. Coaches drew up some great plays. The scripted plays went well. And I think I predicted it'd be tied at halftime. And then Texas would pull away and win the game because West Virginia's offense couldn't keep up. And it would be 42-27. Pretty much what happened. But even though it went the way I thought it was going to, there's still this feeling of, man, it was right there. Yeah. It was right there for West Virginia to take. Fall down four. Couldn't believe it. This feels like a couple of years ago, back the year before West Virginia went to the Final Four, they played at Louisville and were getting trounced. And it was like a 20-point game. And they scored like the final 12 points. And as the team got better at the end of that season, Huggins would go, well, we lost by eight at Louisville. You know, we were in it at Louisville. We lost by eight. <laughs> it's because they ended with a 12-0 run. And this one is, is somewhat deceiving here because the final score and some garbage time stuff, so to speak. But this game also was not as one-sided as some spread had might indicate in the third quarter. It was close, and some things went West Virginia's uh, – and not in West Virginia's way, which is the difference. You know, that's between haves and haves-nots right now. And Texas had the good fortune for some of those plays. But you're right. I think some things that you thought had to happen didn't happen. You know, time of possession – snaps, third downs were stuff that you'd think they had to have in their corner. Didn't. And if one or two or all three of those go in their favor, it's probably a different game. Uh, a lot to talk about. We kid about Austin Kendall and the aggressive uh, 86 Bears-like defense that Neil Brown threw up for his quarterback. Uh, not really curious why he does that. His quarterback is perhaps under siege by fans or doubters or skeptics of this season or this situation he finds himself in. But maybe when you look at the numbers, too, uh, pretty good completion percentage, a lot of yards. The offense, you know, for the time when they stayed out of their way wasn't the problem, but the offense did get in its way and it had some issues. Uh, so let's just start with Kendall. How do you assess the day here? Because as I read you these numbers, it's really nothing to sneeze at. Uh, 31 of 46, 367 yards, three touchdowns, four interceptions. My first thought as I was as I was watching it and, and I just I can't shake it is I felt like he was staring down his receivers a lot and I can't decide because there was not a lot of space between his receivers and the defensive backs. I felt a lot of his throws even early, like his first couple of completions on that first drive before the Sam James touchdown. Uh, a couple of those completions were in incredibly tight windows. I could not believe he was throwing those balls and they were getting completed. And later they weren't. They were getting picked off. I think he was staring down his guys a little too much. And Texas was jumping on him. Man, they were uh, on a couple of these plays, even even the ones that weren't interceptions. 
there were plays where he was staring down his receiver and the defensive back had a full sprint to the position for a big hit or to break up the pass or to be right there to tackle him quickly just because he knew that's where the pass was going because Kendall was staring at that spot for, for so long, it felt like. I want to pat myself on the back for a second here because you did that earlier about how uh, smart you were on the radio. You know how much I love doing that, so by all means. I was typing in my Chris and Mike VIP thread on the board about what I was seeing from above the field, and they were just sitting on these routes, you know, and I can get into why I think it was happening, especially in the second half, but I typed out, you know, they better throw in a double move or they better start, you know, going vertical because they're going to sit in these and they're going to pick one off. And I think I had pressed reply, send, whatever. Um, and then the fourth interception happened and just thinking, boy, if it's this obvious and Texas is on to something. Um, but let's go into the defense by Neil Brown. Um, as you have already explained on our website, which you all can go read for free with what Neil Brown said after the game, um, pretty much says they did not lose this game because of Austin Kendall. He doesn't want anybody to get down on Austin Kendall. Uh, this was the best game Austin Kendall has had so far, which you can understand. Um, as I explained, you know, you don't want him taking hits after the game, keep his confidence high. And he did a number of good things. But the four interceptions, he says the first one, all Austin Kendall. Uh, let a Mike linebacker read his eyes and float back and to the left and make a play. The second one was a 50-50 ball where maybe it wasn't the best throw, but the cornerback does make a sensational play. Uh, the third one is you know, a slant route that the defender jumps and picks it off. That's a 50-50 play. And the fourth one is a receiver runs the wrong route, and Kendall threw to a spot, and the receiver wasn't looking. And because he wasn't looking, the cornerback was able to uh, keep his eyes on Kendall and the ball all at once and make the play. Um, is that oversimplifying it, or can you look at that and say, okay, that is a good explanation? Ooh, that is tough. Uh, I think I think everyone's in agreement on that first one because he's right, you're right, everybody saw it. That was, that was basic kind of, as he put it, <laughs> to not to try to put words in his mouth or anything, but um, it reminded me of the Jack Allison situation when he got pulled after one pick because it was you know, quarterbacking 101 and he screwed something up and got pulled for it. Now, I'm not calling for Neil Brown to pull Austin Kendall for screwing something up, but that one play was quarterback 101. That's one of the first things you see as a quarterback is that Mike linebacker when you're throwing to that slant or that post route over the middle. And he stared it down the entire way. And that Mike linebacker drifted back and to the left, just like you said, right into the line, and Kendall threw it right to him. Um, so I don't think there's any debate about that one. I, I'm curious about the fourth one with the uh, saying it was a wrong route. I mean, maybe, I guess, but I'm trying to figure out because Kendall threw an out pattern. Mm -hmm. And it. so where was the – receiver supposed to I'm not sure where the receiver supposed to be going if Kendall's throwing an out and the kid and the receiver ran it out and it just got jumped I think the I think the cornerback just saw it saw what Kendall was doing knew that's where he was going because Kendall didn't look anywhere else um and, and was looking that way the whole time and he just jumped it I have um I have some theories here I talked to Jeff Howe of our horns 24 7 site and we were talking at one point during the game and he said that Texas's cornerbacks are trained and are very good at backpedaling and you know, keeping things in front of them, but seeing things and reacting, which is what you want to do, but they're, they're good at it. Um, I think what happened, and to West Virginia's credit, uh, was at halftime, Texas said, you know what, we can't be passive. We can't, you know, confuse and, and you know, cause the receivers to short circuit and make mistakes happen like that. We're going to have to turn the heat up, which is a good thing if you're West Virginia. Like, if you're going to go 
good against good, offense against defense, and you're going to talk them out of their plan to make them do something different, uh, that's a win. So they start to blitz and be aggressive more. But when that also happens, you know, Kendall and any quarterback knows I got to act fast. I got to get this ball out of here. I do think that pass protection you know, was pretty good today. I really can't think of maybe one or two times he was really under duress. No sacks, which is good. Um, but if you act fast, the corners are going to react fast. And I think that they were looking at the first flinches, the first hitches or stuff like that. And the one time they did try a double move to Sam James over the top, it, it was just a poorly thrown ball that fluttered. And the quarterback makes a heck of a play. But I do think that part of that was that West Virginia did have some good things going. And Texas said, we got to flip it. We got to make some adjustments. And they did. Um, and that did force some errors there. I think another part of this is, too, is that Brown mentioned Tuesday and then repeated after the game today that this is a game of one-on-one matchups. Their whole theme for the week was fight. You know, let's fight. Let's win these one-on-ones and let's do what we can because it's not 11-on-1. It's not, you know, Texas's recruiting class against an offensive lineman or a defensive lineman or a receiver or a cornerback um, in gold blue. It's one-on-one. And if you just win your one-on-one, you got a chance, you know. You're not going to be outnumbered on every play. So if you're setting it up that you have to win that way to win the week and you're putting a bunch of 50-50 plays in and in Kendall's situation on the interceptions in question, if he's 0 for 2, that's not 50-50. That's 0-100. And you got to win a lot of those. So if you can find better plays and better ways, sure, take them. But also if you're not going to win these or if you can't win them, um, and it was going bad for a while for West Virginia that third quarter, maybe you try to do something different. Um, but they had a lot of stuff taken away from them, too, because they did not run the ball well outside today. They really didn't run the ball well inside. Um, if you think about it, some of the creativity from, like, NC State or Kansas, motion, packages, stuff like that, really didn't see a lot of that today, did we? Uh, I was just about to ask you about that. I, I, it caught me off guard because we've been talking on the last couple of weeks about how West Virginia's run game is finally coming back. I, I was a little concerned because I felt like they were, as you noted, kind of throwing everything out in the kitchen sink just to get a few yards running the ball with all this motion, all these different kind of tricks, little tricks. And then they just completely abandoned it to start the game. What did you think of that? Just no running at all to start the game. Yeah, their fourth series was their first pass. Excuse me, their first rush. Now, one of those series was abbreviated by an interception, but it was still pass, 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 pass. Um, But they did go down score too. So it's not like it was going badly. And I think... Let's, let's be fair to, you know, in our criticism as well, we said, because we know everything, right, that, wow, if then, if Texas's secondary isn't very good, and if there are players missing, then attack the secondary. That's what you have to do. And even if that isn't West Virginia's strength, if other teams are doing it, you should be able to do it if you're a Power 5 football team. And oh, they did. Yeah. I, I, don't say, I don't want to say I was criticizing it. I just thought it was very interesting. I thought it was a— Yeah, I think it's good. I, I liked it. I think it's good. Um, and you would—but here's what's concerning, though. You would think that would back teams up. Um, and it really didn't. And I don't think they'd change anything or any more exotic, just that they're very big in that middle. And I don't think Committer and Mays and Barrett were the problems today. I don't think there were differences either to the point where you could create and squirt through some of those holes. Um, I also kind of think of their best running back was the third one on the field today, which is maybe another conversation we can have. But uh, I was surprised we didn't see motion. We didn't see any of the touch passes or any sweeps or whatever. And it may just be that, Texas is too fast or their, their middle is so good that their edge players can play a little bit more dishonest and patrol those outside areas. But you don't really know unless you try it. I was just surprised that we didn't see even decoys or anything like in motion. Maybe it only hit 
the touch pass to Sam James, but maybe get them thinking about different things there. Just stood out to me as an unusual thing, but Brown has also talked about kind of reinventing yourself a little bit every week, and maybe that was part of the the reinvention this week. Absolutely. Sorry, I'm getting texts all over the place here, Mike, because I know we're going to – I was about to turn the conversation to something, you know, more positive, some guys who stood out, but I I will say this. I'll just take a quick break to mention that the reaction from recruits for this game has been outstanding. The fact that they lost, I don't think, is really tempering um, uh, the excitement from the kids. Just getting the the largest crowd in WVU home history, or at least since the renovations in 2004, and the strength of the stadium and how the game started, I think is making an impact. So uh, I have, sorry, I guess everybody's just leaving the game, but I just got about six texts from different recruits in the last, what, five, ten minutes we've been on this podcast. All right, well, keep looking at your phone, and I'll do some housekeeping here right now because <laughs> you're going to have stories of reactions from visitors and recruits coming up. It's a good time to remind you that right now, up until 11.59 p.m. on Monday, we are having a two-month for $1 special. It's ridiculous, frankly. Um, I don't know how they're getting away with it or what they're thinking, and I don't know if I'll be able to get my customary raise that is demanded on my contract because of this convoluted plan, but hey, uh, take advantage of their generosity. If you're not a member now, do so because you can read this and read all the things that, as Chris has pointed out, uh, that he mentioned during the week and I mentioned during the week behind the paywall that came true during this game, but also the more important, more exciting things that other players and recruits and coaches say. If it's behind the paywall, you can get up over that now for, I did the math in my head. It's like one quarter of one cent per story that will run for the duration of the special which um doesn't make me feel great <laughs> i think my stories are at least worth a penny uh but no uh, it's a pretty good deal right now go check on that and then to kind of go back to what you're saying chris great scene great atmosphere the crowd was cool for a long time today the scene looked nice at the golden blue and the striped sections um black or white here a or f whatever i don't want anything in between you can only be one of the two here are you encouraged or are you discouraged by what you saw today because took their punches had a chance, but ultimately did not cash that check. Encouraged. Because I think, uh, you know, Brown kind of touched on it, that there were all these silly mistakes, some self-inflicted wounds, and West Virginia was still there in the picture. Now, the fact that they're having these self-inflicted wounds means they're not a great team. They're, they might be a good team. They're not a great team because they're having these mistakes. But the fact that, that that's what's keeping them from kind of getting over the hump uh, tells you that you know the future's bright. West Virginia's got a lot of young guys out there on both sides of the ball. And what we're discussing here, guys who played well, who didn't play well, and I'm looking through the stats sheet, who went out there, and some of those young guys played pretty well. Uh, Tyke Smith getting not only his first ever start, uh, but also being moved to a completely new position, playing spear instead of uh, cat safety. Um, and I thought he played well. I did not remember seeing him get in any uh, blown coverages or anything. And I felt like he was around the ball a good bit, broke up a pass uh, on the goal line that would have been a touchdown on one play and had a couple of big hits too. So seeing some of these young guys play well and knowing West Virginia was right there with a team that's right on the verge of the top 10, and, and even with some self-inflicted wounds, makes you feel like this team could be good. Okay, picture this, it's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. 
With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. I'm with you. If I had to pick one or the other, I would be more encouraged than discouraged. There's a lot of winning stats if you look at the side-by-side statistical comparison. Um, if you didn't have the score, you wouldn't necessarily be able to tell 100% of the time um, if you showed to 100 people who won the game, which is a pretty good indication you did a lot of things right. There are some important things in there that kind of lean you toward Texas, namely rushing yardage, 216 yards. Um, not great, but not a lot of penalties. Um didn't really blow anything up where they kind of you know gave up something that they shouldn't have except one play that we can get to in a second, which will happen to you. But I think there's, there's a lot to feel good about. We talked about Tyke Smith. Then Darius Cowan uh, popped on the off the page the first time you saw him. Um, got pressure darn near in the end zone and then got a sack on his second snap. Finished with four tackles. He was different than anybody who's been there. Um, saw some things from receivers who might get bumped up now because it sounds like Sean Ryan will be out for an extended period of time. Um, so maybe Bryce Wheaton has to play and he had two catches, 43 yards and a touchdown on his drive late in the game. Things like that are are good to go on. You kind of think your quarterback's not going to get picked off four times. It's only happened Mm -hmm. five times Mm -hmm. this century. So you don't think it's going to repeat itself. There's a lot of reasons to feel good about moving on. Maybe not necessarily today, even though Chris, I hate to tell you, I always say it looks like they might be okay. Yeah. Yeah. I probably shouldn't have badmouthed the, the Cyclones there. I, I I put them in my best bet saying I got to stick with my guns from my preseason pick of them not being the number three team and TCU kind of being a dark horse. And Iowa State, I, mean, I, I stopped watching after they went up three scores. It, and they were up three scores for the majority of the game. They got something going in the second half against uh, Louisiana Monroe last week. I think they scored 45 points in the second half. They scored 49 today against TCU, which has not happened very much. They're coming to town next week, um, which is going to make for an interesting uh, matchup because their defense is pretty good. It's given West Virginia trouble the past few years. Different staff, I get that, but they what they do is pretty good. Now they have some offense, too. And a pump-faking quarterback who is going to make defenders look pretty bad. Um, and now that and hey, and that end of October game is now against uh, still undefeated Baylor as well, who went on the road and beat Kansas State today. Yeah, there's somebody good in between Baylor and Iowa State. I can't remember who that is right now, but I think that they're pretty capable offensively and they have a Heisman <laughs> candidate too. So yeah. do you think the goal now, is this fair or unfair, the goal now is to get out of October with a fourth win or is that setting the bar too low? I think that's reasonable. I, I mean, I – I think if West Virginia is four and four, then they're about the team that I think, at least I, the team that I think they are, uh, maybe what you think they are. And I, and I don't think that's a bad thing. I think October is just as uh, we had over on 24 seven sports, uh, the toughest schedules in October, West Virginia had the second toughest schedule in the entire country for October. And, you know, versus Texas, 
versus Iowa State at Oklahoma at Baylor on a Thursday night in Halloween. That's not easy. That there will be very few teams who can get to two and two with that four games four game stretch. So this is not a knock on on this football team, but I think one and three, and, and sitting at four and four with a chance to still make a bowl, is reasonable and maybe expected. Should we talk about Evan Stately? You want to lead? I wonder where they go with this because if competition is open in every position, um, then this has got to be open because it's not working the way they want to, I don't think. Uh, obviously, they want to go in between the uprights more so than it goes left or right. Um, 0 for 2 in the first half today, I believe. He got one through later on. But Brown pointed out that, you know, the, he said four turnovers and two missed field goals. He pointed out that the two missed field goals in the first half and getting a field goal instead of a touchdown following a Texas interception, that's a 10-point difference. This is an 11-point game. Um, he's circling those things. It's not one of those things that you can just kind of shrug at and go, eh, you know, we got enough horses to make up this distance. Um, I think that it's something that you have to consider and look at. The trouble is who, where, how, right? Yeah, I'm not sure who. And I think my issue here is that everything's going right. It, it, he's Both of his misses were to the right. He missed one last week to the right. He donked one off the right goalpost last week as well, or two weeks ago as well. Um, and you said during halftime, when he came out to kick uh, during halftime, that he was pushing him right again. So... There's something going on there. Something's in his head. Something's wrong with his mechanics. And it's not getting fixed. This is, you know, two or three weeks in a row now that he's he's pushing right. So I think, and we've seen Neil Brown just say, all right, uh, we're making changes. We're opening things up. So I'm with you. I think this is one where he's going to have to open things up this week and see what somebody else can do. He is 7 for 12 now in the season. That's five misses. He only missed four last year. He ended last season with 12 straight makes. Um, he'd have to get in a heck of a run right now. Uh, early in the season, he was pulling everything left. He told me he was getting around the ball too much, and that's why I think you're probably seeing him compensate a little bit. Maybe that's why it's wiggling to the right. It was kind of windy going left to right today, too, where he was kicking um, into in that, that troubled section for him. So that might be that might be something that explains itself here. Um, I will tell you, uh, just talking to a couple of people during and after the game today, um, more Evan Staley fans, more Austin Kendall fans than Giovanni Stewart fans. Uh, five days mm. ago, I, I never would have guessed that. That's one of the most popular players on the team, a really tough dude. Um, and I don't think he has 100% support from the voters right now. No, I can imagine not. I think when we were discussing uh, the King situation down at Houston, I said this is – I can't imagine him walking into that locker room and saying, I'm just quitting on you guys. I don't feel like playing this year. Not with you guys. I think this team stinks and I'm out. I'm leaving. And we don't know Stewart's, you know, full reasoning here. But at some point he had to walk in that locker room or he didn't walk into that locker room, avoided it altogether. And he either walked in that, he didn't go in there and just left everybody hanging or he walked in there and said, I'm quitting on you guys. I'm leaving. Um, I know that's kind of harsh, but that's how I would view it. I, and I said this with King. I said this with any guy that's just going to play four games and be like, I'm out of here unless there's extenuating circumstances. Um, but it, for the guys that are in that locker room, they're going through a lot. 
They're putting a lot on the line. They're sacrificing a ton for this team, for all those guys around them. And then to see someone just quit on you is probably going to piss a lot of people off. I don't know what you do about this because it's a Pandora's box. It's got a huge loophole that people are exploiting. Um, I was talking to people just conversation this week, and I was like, if you're playing at Rutgers and you have a redshirt year and they just fire your coach, why would you play? And I think a couple of players did pull the plug at Rutgers. I'm not sure it was like the entire team, but um, you wonder if that factors into coaches keeping their job for a week longer than they should. You wonder if that factors into um, redshirt decisions for true freshmen, which I think is a point that you made. I wonder if there's some sort of legislation about, you know, the setting the conditions upon. Like if you play and you redshirt and transfer, no, actually you can't transfer. I don't know if they can do that, but I wonder if they can create some mechanism to do that. Um, I just think that this is what we have right now, and the only thing I can really see that's not going to be a major dramatic reconstruction or something like I just talked about where you kind of adjudicate after the fact, like, hey, you can redshirt, but now actually a month later you're not allowed to transfer. It's just That's too seismic for me. I wonder if you just have like pacts or, or pinky swears with your coaches and your, and your fourth-year seniors where you say, hey, Giovanni, um, are you with me this year or are you not? Like, are you going to do this or are you not? And if he's, eh, let him go. Um, but is a gentleman's agreement strong enough to make this work? I don't think so. No way. Not, not with right. them. And half the time, contracts and national letters of intent and all this other stuff doesn't mean anything, so I certainly don't think a pinky swear is going to work. Last one. Um, Herb Hand, back in the house today, former offensive line coach at West Virginia. Actually, no, the tight ends coach at West Virginia. Um, wanted the offensive line coach job here, never really got it, and done pretty well for himself. He, uh, he called his own number today. <laughs> um, they, they score an offensive lineman play. Uh, really curious situation. You're winning against West Virginia. You think maybe you'll need to exhume that sometime later on. Do you want to keep that in your bag? How do you feel about a trick play there? Um, I didn't like it for the reasons – I mean, I, for what you just said, if I were a Texas fan, I'd be like, why, why did we just waste that? Because uh, saved it. But – you think you think Herb Hand called that one and maybe just did it out of spite for WVU? Is that what you're is that what you're saying here, Mike? There there are no coincidences. <laughs> None. I love the play because you, you cannot do tackle eligible in college football. If you're wearing number fifty through seventy nine, you are not an eligible receiver. So the NFL rules are different. Um, college and high school football have those rules. Fifty through seventy nine are not eligible receivers. So I think a lot of teams don't account for that and aren't thinking the tackle is going to drop back because he's not a tight end in that situation. He's not eligible because of his jersey number. Uh, that was not a pass. That was a lateral. Um, that was basically a long handoff behind the line of scrimmage. And West Virginia totally blew that up. I would, I would be pretty confident saying this um, from things I've read about Vic's defense. Um, they do basically a backstrop drill or a, a, roll, a roll right drill, maybe is what they call it, where, or a sprint right drill where if a guy sprints right, especially in a goal line, um, the far defender, which would be the cornerback here, he hits the brakes. He does not go anywhere. He's not supposed to chase because he does not want that throwback going over his head. Uh, this does not go over his head, but the purpose of that drill, if you, if you see the quarterback roll right and you're on the left side, you stop because you understand, one, you're not making that play on that right side, and two, if you stay put, they're not going to let you. 
you're not going to let that other person come back on a throwback and get by you. Uh, I think it was Keith Washington, maybe, who got pulled up a little bit too much. He also got shoved in the back, like right in front of the line judge. I don't know how that how he got away with that, but I think they blew that play as far as contain. Uh, I don't think West Virginia was terribly happy about that happening in that situation while trailing, but um, you kind of tip your cap, I guess, a little bit there. And hope it doesn't happen again. Yeah, uh, Neil Brown touched on that during his post-game press conference, saying that there were at least two MAs missed assignments on that play by the defense there. So that's a rough one. And, and you know what else was rough? That hit between that left tackle and Darius Stills in the end zone. That was two big boys going full speed running into each other. I was certain that somebody was going into concussion protocol after that one. I'll, I'll say this, too. Um, I've been down in the field a couple times at Texas in the past and, and like, today, too. And Texas, you know, player per player, roster per roster in the Big 12, it typically has the most impressive roster. Oklahoma's up there. When Baylor was humming, Baylor had some guys, too, that you just looked at and said, whoa. But even when Texas was bad, they had some big guys. But I was down there last year in Texas and thought, oh, wow. Um, and then today, especially, um, actually, I wasn't down there in Texas last year. But anyways, today I, I was down there just thinking, oh, my gosh. And the receiver who got the first touchdown, uh, Malcolm Epps, <laughs> is a monster. Um, Calvin, Colin Johnson didn't play, and that's another guy who is the same size. Uh, their receivers are big. Their offensive linemen are big. That tight end, or excuse me, the tackle who caught the ball is 6'7", 305 pounds. He was moving. He caught that ball at like the 25, and he beat cornerbacks to the end zone, or the, to the corner. Um, and then, like, poor Nick Troy Fortune gets dumped into the, the game early so they can maybe give your guy a break or maybe get him in there early because it was looking like Texas was going to have a bunch of snaps and you might need a third corner. And, and he's running up against it. He's 5'10". He's, actually, he's listed at six foot 185, right? Okay. Uh, Malcolm Epps is six foot six, 245 pounds, and he had a free release and like a 10-yard cushion. Fortune had no chance there, uh, and that was an easy pitch and catch. But I was, I was really impressed by how – Big, impressive, strong, fast, uh, how together Texas looked. I mean, they just eyeballing them across the field. I was thinking, wow, that looks like a Texas football team again. It must be nice to have what, six foot six, 240, 250 pound freshman wide receiver out there like that. Who's just a guy. Who's just a guy. He doesn't play a whole lot because their other receivers are so good, too. Um, Eagles. Is like a six foot four guy who's like another two hundred and something pound guy who's a high jumper. Um, Smith, Jake Smith, was one of the top recruits in the country. Duvernay is a really good player. Colin Johnson is probably an NFL guy who didn't. I don't think he played today. He was available, but those are four guys who are going to play in front of um, in front of Epps, who's pretty good, young but pretty good. Um, just made, John Burke caught a touchdown today. That's another big guy. That's another guy you're going to put in front of a guy like Epps. Kind of blows your mind a little bit when you think about the, the depth of talent they have over there. And and again, if not for a couple of things that go wrong, West Virginia may be having a different story tonight too. Yep. All right. Final uh, thoughts here, Chris. Anything in particular that we haven't circled or underlined yet that you think is important? No, I think uh, you know they got to kind of regroup. Um, obviously we've already touched on it with these four games coming up, how tough they are. Iowa state comes to town next week and that might be of the whole month, the most winnable game. And it's, you know, not far from a given. Uh, so I think it's going to be important to see how they bounce back this week, see who's healthy this week, see if 
Uh, as you mentioned, Sean Ryan might be out, but hopefully Sam James is okay, is back in there. Brown touched on it Tuesday, you said. Um, and I believe, did Keith Washington go off late too? So it was kind of banged up looking team right now. He got beat up a little bit. Ryan was one. Um, yeah, not not great. And again, when you're playing big guys like that for a, a pretty ferocious game at times too, that's going to happen too. One more thing I want to mention, um, I just to keep bragging about Texas, but that Roshan Johnson, their running back, uh, he played a lot because Vandarius Cowan destroyed Keontae Ingram on his first blitz. I mean, he blew him up and then knocked him down on the second contact. They put in Roshan Johnson, who is a quarterback. Uh, he just started playing running back a little bit ago. 21 carries, 121 yards, zero negative yardage plays. And that's the first 100-yard rusher against West Virginia's defense this year, too. So as good as West Virginia's defensive line has been about getting TFLs or stopping the run, um, again, you hate to do it, tip your cap a little bit because that was a pretty good performance. Um, but you now you don't have to worry about giving up that 100-yard day and you keep going from there. Otherwise, our defense, just put in bad spots, probably had a better day than the stats indicate. Yep. Well, that is it for this time here. I'm off to work. Chris is off to answer some phone calls. Uh, we will see you next time. One more reminder, go check out the two-for-one-dollar special. Not two months for the price of one, two months for one dollar. Go check that out.com. I am Mike Casaza. I'm Chris Anderson. We will see you next time.